Ba-da-ba-ba. Welcome to Fourth Times the Charm, the only podcast where every week is a brand new concept. I am your producer, Ben, alongside your director, Matt, and today we're talking about... Music! Isn't that right, Matt? Yeah, we are. I was not expecting such a uh, a thrashy uh, riff filled entrance, but I'm 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 happy. I'm ready. I'm excited. Should I have done one of those like deep dip thong type intros it, instead? If you had if you had gone for a more rad beat or a more black in- tone to your musical instrumentation, I would have thrown in my own. Bleh. But uh, I think I think that that get lulls our guests in. The false sense of security that this entire journey will give them is perfectly started by that. Awesome. Well, welcome to Fourth Times the Charm. We got a great episode ahead of you. Um, I just came back from a wedding this past weekend. It was a really nice uh, wedding. Very fun. And um, I I stuck up for pro wrestling. (laughs) At the wedding? At the wedding. Oh, what t- tell me tell me this tale Ben. I have I have not heard this. I've been I I have personal investment in this wedding. I won't get into it. But uh I'm very interested to hear about having to stick up for wrestling at this wedding. Well, first out, shout out to our he, he didn't say he was our biggest fan, so he's not and he didn't use the nope. code. No, he's, but he's Mason Hill lost status. Frequent frequent listener. We see you. What's up Mason? Boy. You got to you got to commit to achieving biggest fan status mason i That's i expect right. if you're listening right now mason it's a big deal mason yeah, it's a big deal like, we you... have driven people away from the podcast for this if you yeah would like to be our biggest fan use the uh password c glass and Ooh, send that to what? us on instagram I, so i don't i don't even know the, oh ben i do i do want to shout out another one of our fans i actually oh, yeah? I met someone who specifically told me they listened to our podcast. And it was one of the most surprising moments in the car because the person was in my back seat. And they were like, yeah, when I was listening to your podcast. And I genuinely had like a moment of shock. Um, it was Christo of Misha and Christo fame. Oh, I've met Christo. I like Christo. Yeah, yeah shout out to Christo. Thank well, you Christo, for listening. Christo, I like you even more now. Thanks for supporting the potty. <laughs> the hot potty. He has this not, is a big he boy not, potty. He has not said whether how, what his feelings are on hot potty versus regular potty uh, or full potty. So I'm curious. I'm curious now. This is a question out to you, Christo. What's your opinion on the potty? Hopefully he's listening to this potty while sitting on his own. Uh, so I go to this Jesus wedding. Christ. <laughs> it was a really lovely venue. Okay. It, it was inside the the Duke like wedding chapel. Very Ooh. intimidating building, but very I like, beautiful architecture. I like that we're asserting our our uh, our privilege in the first five minutes of this episode. It wasn't up my it. wedding. I didn't oh, book true. it. All right. You just attended. Anyway, the important part of this is at the reception dinner. I am pretty sloshed. I'm on like seven Ooh. drinks. Vomit waffle status? So, not even. I just Passed? powered through. Were you I passed the waffle? Through. Yeah. No, I, oh, no waffles necessary. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, I also feel like the uh, they had such little food there, like actually oh, on the no. plate, that there How was did... like there was like nothing to really uh, throw up. It, w- it was just like. 
liquid, so there wouldn't have been anything even if I wanted to. So. Oh man. Oh. Oh jeez, bro. So I'm like I'm like five or six drinks in. I am talking to one of the other people at my table, and I guarantee you he's never going to listen to Fourth Times the Charm. <laughs> and, you know, Matt, how in life there are those people who have that aura of superiority. No, but not like, at all. To a comic degree, well, like I, I know, I'm, I know I'm you asking mean. you because you, for example, are I, one of what? the people who could, but you very specifically do not. It's one of the things I, I like and respect about you. So, so you're 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 speaking to this man who pr- projects a vibe that would be common amongst the people I grew up with, but not what common I'm saying amongst myself. is that if his nose could move on its own, it'd be perpendicular. To so he like can smell his own eyes. ass. No, because it's so stuck up. Oh, the dude oh is like, did he actually do the head lift? I know people I, who do that. It's terrifying like, to meet those people in reality. Like not quite, but, but he was, had the exact same look. Yeah, he had the mannerisms of like a French aristocrat in a bad comedy. He was also a physics major. Oh who was no! Going to law school. Oh to wait, work what? In patent law. Why wait? What? Yeah. Please please tell me this man isn't coming to your bachelor party. No. Okay, <laughs> those are other law students. We're good. No, I've never seen this guy before okay. and I will right. never see him again. So so what happened? So anyway, we're the reception's in an art gallery. And so Oh my god. The guy standing what next the to me. Fuck? And he makes some sort of just passive pithy jokey remark about like, haha, well, what do you think about this art here? Or just some pithy throwaway thing because no one's actually looking at the art. Was it, did did he say it like I would have like, tell me what you think of this art. Like as like, I don't actually give a shit. I know neither do you. Or was it like a him trying to make small talk and thinking, or trying little to like, a, like, little column B. Ooh. Was he, was and, he fishing to try to make himself feel smart? I don't know about that. I think the aura was, I'm already above this. But I, t- I took mm. the bait. And I told him that it depends on how he defines art. And how <laughs> he perceives art. And he's like, hmm, that's interesting. And so we have like a 10 minute in-depth discussion about the merits of professional wrestling as an huh? art form. Okay. And I convinced him, like, I, because I was talking about how professional wrestling, depending on how you define art, which if it's something designed to evoke emotion out of people, a creative venture, yeah, then pro wrestling's absolutely artwork. Yeah, it's and then performance I give art. Him, right. And I give him examples of how pro wrestling as an art form deliberately manipulates people's emotions as mm-hmm. they watch it. And yeah. I get very in-depth into this. And, like, by the end, I actually convince this guy that what I'm saying has merit. Which, I mean, it does. But the fact that I convinced this guy, pretty impressive. So, by the end, he he's asking me for tips on how I introduce people to watch pro wrestling as an art form. Because he's trying to Don't. explain to me that he's been trying to get friends to listen to symphonies by Mahler, the Austrian composer. And he says that no one ever seems to show any interest in it. Well, you know what he should do, Ben? Listen to Fourth Time's The Charm. 
damn right. You should come on and do an episode about Mahler, the neoclassical produ- uh, composer. I, I was just, I was just very, it, it's always great when a conversation goes exactly the way you want it to. Yeah. Know? When it's like, I, oh, I felt, there's the pretension. I felt like Matt, you know, I felt like you. What do you mean? I, cause I, you're, cause Matt, I firmly believe you never go into a conversation where you do not know what the outcome is or, or you at least don't know the next like three things you're going to say. That's the aura you always have. I, I, I don't know how to take that, but I appreciate the assessment. In a good way. It's a good thing. I know. I know it's a good thing. I just struggle with compliments. Yeah. Well then just don't say anything. Just be like, heh, yeah. And like. I don't know, lick your nipple or something. Uh, Matt, how was, how was your week? Cue, those cues only work in person. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, my, well, my week was fantastic. Uh, I didn't do anything as rambunctious or as exciting as attend a wedding and mess with the mind of a pretentious young man. Um, but I did um, go and see what I might, what I'm, I'm firmly calling my movie of the year so far. Um, A movie that I described to Ben as the modern holy mountain uh, for fans of Jodorowsky or the uh, or this generation's 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, Everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, The second film by the Daniels, um, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Schneider, who directed my favorite movie of 2016, Swiss Army Man, is a interdimensional multiverse film that takes you on this captivating, like heart pounding journey that also is deeply evocative and emotional, making you feel these like nostalgic pain for your family and what it means to feel connected to other people while also telling an exceedingly well-delivered and concise multiverse film. Um, The performances were captivating believable and beautiful um michelle yo is in i think all but maybe 30 seconds total of the movie and the camera is almost always on her face while she's performing and it is a star making performance even though she already is a star um one very interesting return to uh cinema because in this film is a man you might recognize from the movie The Goonies and Indiana Jones and the and the and uh, uh, the Temple of Doom, which is uh, Ken Hugh Kwan, who played Short Round. Wow, that's what a return! So um, he actually retired from acting um, only a few years after making Goonies um, because he felt that there was zero place in Hollywood for Asian male actors and became disheartened by the industry. But in 2018, he went and saw crazy rich Asians in a sold out theater and he saw it three times and it brought him to tears. And he finally felt like the sense of like, as he put it in an interview, like FOMO um, that it was finally a time in, uh, this country and in Hollywood where a- uh, Asian actors could be in lead roles in interesting and fascinating movies that weren't just making fun of their culture. Um, and when it comes to an actor making a return, him not acting for the last 20 plus years is a travesty. Because this this man in the film gets gets the 
with can be a death knell in a movie like this, he gets the exposition role. Mm. Um, he is tasked with introducing us to the multiverse. He as a character is there to give us the first hint of where we're going. And as the film goes on, explain what's happening um, until we get, you know, past the exposition part of the film. And this man just fucking just perfect job. Just not there wasn't a single misstep. Just went in and just did a perfect job. And it's very hard to talk about his performance because it was just absolutely believable. Um, what what I, was the name of this movie again? This is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Um, it's still in theaters as you're listening to this. It's actually um, it's an A24 film and they did uh, the slow rollout method where they did like five theaters one week, 12 theaters the next, 15 the next, 30, 70, 80, 100. Um, and you're in LA, so you'll 100% be able to see it. Um, it has fantastic scores across the board, which is shocking to me. Um, it also sees a absolutely killer performance by Jamie Lee Curtis and Ben. I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a harsh claim here, and I know we've both seen Ready to Rumble. Okay. This movie has the single greatest use of pro wrestling I have seen in really? a movie, especially a wow. movie that's not about pro wrestling. All right. Um, and it's specifically with Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Okay. Uh, who, my only thing I'll say about the scene, delivers one of the greatest drop kicks I've ever seen. All right. Well, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check this out here. I don't. I don't know. I will say, as as a movie fan, this might not be a Rebecca movie. Um, and I mean that insofar as that if you, if you're out there and you don't like artsy kind of like intense movies. This might not be the best movie for you. That means um, I have no one to watch this movie with. You have watch it with me. I will come to me. Is it watch is it. it available like digital? Not yet. Just yet? go see it in okay. theaters. Just drag her and go. Um, <laughs> it'll be part of the journey. It's a sh- it's a quick movie too. It's only two two hours and twenty six minutes, um, <laughs> but it it legitimately flies by. Um, but I like quite literally the only movie that i can compare to like the sensation of watching it is jodorowsky's holy mountain um that's very exciting because holy mountain is yeah. is a trip and a half i loved watching that movie yeah I, uh, this is that this is those vibes so it pl- i implore you if you don't listen to any of the music we talk about today go see this movie i so on the flight i did pretty much the opposite of you Okay. I watched 1931's The Public Enemy, starring James Ooh. Cagney. Uh, so one of like the very first gangster movies and really early in the sound era of film. Cool. Slow movie, good movie. James Cagney, okay. holy shit, what an actor. Mm. For someone to be that good of an actor that early on in Hollywood... Ooh. And understand how to work the camera. He reminds me a lot of Eddie Kingston in AEW with how his eyes move around. Yeah, he where he such... has like unique personality just in his facial expressions. Yeah, just looking into his eyes. Um, I, I mean, it's definitely a product of its time, but I stayed interested throughout. Uh, and I mm. feel like for a movie that's approaching 100 years old... That's, that's special. Entirely expository for the most part. Ooh. That's that's pretty 
impressive. So James Cagney, watch more of him. Go check it out. We're off to do a James Cab Cangbury deep dive. Cagney. James Cagney. Cagney. Oh, what's he gonna do? Tell me I'm pronounced his name wrong? <laughs> He's dead. Now stuff a grapefruit down your throat. If that's uh, a reference, reference. I, I was gonna say I hope that's a reference. Otherwise, that was that one took me by surprise. Well, Ben, we we've covered some of the surface level material of our lives. I think it's time for us to go somewhere else. Somewhere where, Matt? Somewhere down the rabbit hole. Hit the music. Do, 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 do. I, I always do carnival music. I don't know. It's what comes to me first. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Down the rabbit hole. Down the I'm rabbit so hole. Ah! Down the rabbit hole is the podcast where we dive into individual pieces of art and we follow them down to their deepest, most obscure, and honestly the least approachable version that we can find of it. And this week we're looking at underground music released in 2022. This episode is going to serve as both kind of a little sample of what's been released in the world, but also a great example of how music, such a simple and approachable concept, can go down into a deep, deep rabbit hole that I think requires a lot of buy-in to get to. Now, I am joined by my indomitable co-host, my producer, to the front man of this band, Ben. Ben, how you feeling? Heavy metal! Wait, no, wrong thing. I feel... Yeah! Ooh, that's... Yeah. We're going to talk about an album later uh, that might have some on it, but we didn't do it for this episode. Well, we'll get there, Ben. I'm excited for your death metal ting- tinglings. Um, how- so, so fun fact, actually, yeah. Matt. Okay. Uh-huh. Before we recorded today, I oh. purchased, because oh. of you, <gasps> the record yeah. uh, LP for Altark with their... Uh, their their first release that was my album of the year last year. What they a, had a tremendous one of album! One hundred vinyl. For yeah, sale. welcome to the pretentious vinyl community. Yeah, and I don't have a record player. I feel you, like you don't need this one. Is probably going to be a mistake. Look, I, I but I I, own... I I figure I figure I could get one album per year for each of my albums of the year. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good way to do it. It's a nice chronicle. I'll get you a record player for your birthday. I what for my one record? Yeah, you can listen to it over and over again, like a teenager in the eighties with two VHS. I cannot do that to Rebecca. Yes, you that, can. That's where the line is drawn. You just listen to it when she's not around. If I play that, she will not be around <laughs> a lot of the time. Hey, then you can listen to it more. All right, keep going, you 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 wiki wacky. Yeah, you wham thackle wambling wops. All right, so as I said, this week on down the rabbit hole, we are looking at three incredible albums, and I have a question for all of you. What do you think a depressed, horror obsessed funk punk band, a futuristic narrative crust punk band, and a troop of French redneck clowns from the 1830s all have in common? They make music. Yes, they do, Ben. And beyond that, not much else. I can't say there's too much that ties these artists together besides a tendency and a love for making creative, unique, and dark music. All in their own presentations. 
Each of these bands that we're going to speak about today released an album in 2022. And our journey down the rabbit hole is going to incre- is going to go in the order of increasing absurdity and lack of approachability. Um, I implore each of you listening to this to actually dive into these three albums, either after we play you the sample from them or after the podcast is over. Um, and it's going to be a trip. Now, we start with one of my favorite bands out there. We start with the wonderful, wonderful place of Kokomo, Indiana, with Harley Poe. Now, Ben, you've heard of Harley Poe before. I've definitely played him for you many, many, many times. And uh, if you're a fan of Fourth Times the Charm, I'm sure you've heard me talk about him or them. But I will briefly introduce Harley Poe. Harley Poe is, is a band from the deprived mind of Joe Whiteford. Joe Whiteford is the main head behind this band. It has had fluctuating members throughout the years, but the only consistent original member and really the heart and soul is Joe Whiteford. Uh, Since about 2000, Joe has released 13 albums, plus a smattering of singles and collaborations under the Harley Poe title. And we are now ready to enjoy his 13th release, released April 1st of this year, Horrible. Now, I found the impetus for this album a great way to lead us into it. Um, When announcing this album on Instagram, uh, Joe said, I began writing these songs in early 2021. Around that time, Mike had also come to me about recording on his analog Tascam 7 track recorder thingy. So I said, sure. We used two mics and recorded with used tapes on a broken recorder from the early 90s, possessed by a ghost named Herbert. At times, you can hear the tape warping. No wonder this is our worst album. Cursed from the get-go. Oh my god, I love it so much. Now, Ben, what did you think about this beautiful slab of music? I think it really depended song by song. There were some songs where I really liked and I was really getting into it. And then there were other songs where I was like, I feel like this was used to sort of fill out the album. Okay. Um, I I, I, I can see what you mean. I I will say that this is not like my ideal type of music. I, Mm -hmm. I can recognize the really high quality sound of it. I can recognize this as quality. It's not like my ultimate type of thing but i did enjoy listening to the album okay um and certain songs i really liked certain songs i really disliked uh so overall i would say positive yeah so and for those who also don't know harley poe plays a style of music called folk punk which is basically an acoustic kind of punky style of music that is mostly just Joe and his singing voice, uh, occasionally some other traditional American folk instrumentations. And what makes folk punk and Harley Post style of folk punk so unique to him is typically his music is full of references to horror movies, to uh, depraved and dark things that you wouldn't normally put in punk music or in music for people to enjoy nicely. Um, I think he has a very beautiful, like lilting cadence to him. I think the way that, uh, Joe Whiteford sings and plays guitar is just really warm. His music has never really made me feel happy, but it's made me feel joyful. And, uh, I think Ben knowing me 
better than most people will understand why I personally connect with a lot of these lyrics. Um, the way and what uh, the Harley Poe music is about has always um, really resonated with me. Uh, um, and I think for our musical sampling, um, the song that presents that the best is Alone in the Dark Mansion of Madness. Ben, hit the music. You're all crazy. You're all crazy. You're all crazy. Lighty daddy die, lighty daddy die, bum 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 bum. Lighty daddy die, lighty daddy die, bum 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 bum. Lighty daddy die, lighty daddy die, bum 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 bum. I'm actually interested that, that this is the song you chose. That was my least favorite song from the album. Oh, no, yeah. This is the one that, like, made me feel, like, emotional. Oh, wow. I really did not listen to this album the same way you did. I also really like The Pit. That was my second least favorite song on the album. Oh, man. Wow. All right. Let's... 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 let's right. it. Well, okay. Hold on. Should we... Should I... Should I... What's your... What's a song you do like? So my two favorite songs were uh, were uh, Society. Okay. I liked. I thought it was a really good intro to the album into Harley Poe as an artist. I really liked Monsters. Yeah. Um, which I, I really liked the pacing. The lyrics I thought were probably the strongest in there. Um, and my favorite was uh, Fade to Black. I really liked that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, all right, Just, yeah okay. <laughs> what, well, what, what okay. That? No, what's well, that? Well, yeah okay mean? I did those. Those just make sense. Uh, okay. So did I listen get... to it wrong? No, no. There's, there's no. Okay. Let's, let's, let's take a step back. Let's, let's, let's come back from uh, alone in the dark mansion of madness, and uh, let's kick it back to the beginning of the sound listing. And we'll go through. You better play the "We're All Crazy" section of that song, by the way. Well, that's like ninety percent of the song, man. Hell yeah. Um, so I hope all of you out there enjoyed that little beautiful sampling of Harley Poe. Please dive into the rest of his music, as he has a lot of variation in his sound. And let's take it back to the beginning of the track list. This this album opens up with a song that. I absolutely adore, like I do with most of the songs on the album, but I think Ben put it very well uh, when me and him were talking about this album when he said this is the perfect intro to this album. So what? how are you feeling as, like many of our listeners, probably listening to Harley Poe really closely for the first time? The, the vibe I got from this first song was like emo Bo Burnham. <laughs> yeah, I, well, all right. I like get very, it. I get very it. sing-songy about something that's actually not sing-songy-able. Um, I mean, I don't know a lot about the genre, so I don't know what's genre-specific and what's just Harley-specific. This is, this, for, for, for to answer that question, this is a very Harley Poe album that I sort is, of figured. Yeah, but it is, it is, 
it is it within the structure of of the folk punk genre. I wouldn't I wouldn't call this album not folk punk if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I, I feel like society is at least for my experience with the album is a pretty good encompassing of yeah. what the album has to offer and also sort of what my biggest desire for the album was that wasn't quite fulfilled where I felt like the lyrics and I feel like on repeat listenings it'd be probably better mm-hmm. but I didn't get quite as much out of the lyrics as I wanted to I, I felt okay. I feel like the lyrics here are better than lyrics in most metal songs. But yeah, I, well, I, so... I listen to Harley Poe for the lyrics. Like, yeah. Almost, it's one of the only... Folk punk is probably the only genre of music besides hip-hop that I listen to specifically for the lyrics. But, like, I felt... I, uh, I, I wasn't quite... I, I didn't feel like the lyrics were quite earned in it. Sure. I don't know. It, it didn't feel like the vibe... Of the song, which was deliberately, you know, inverse of what the lyrics were. I, I didn't, I felt like there was something missing that, like, wasn't quite connecting the two. I'm not saying it was bad. Like, I gave, I think, I gave the first song a three and a half out of five. I liked it. I, I but think, I'm I saying think, that as opposed to, like, you know, when you listen to black metal, the lyrics hmm. are really toppings. Like, like they really don't impact all yeah. the time your enjoyment of a song just because you know so much of the time they're in a different language or something or blah 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 or unintelligible Here, because really <laughs> front and center yeah i was a lot more hypercritical of it you have to, you have to be it is similar to black metal that will to me with this genre there's there's a certain investment that mm. you kind like that helps carry you through because this to me is like this is going to be a uh really nerdy out there this is kind of like a true cult uh like second wave uh folk punk album where it is it's stripped back and it's very much just kind of bared out there without a lot of the pomp and circumstance that has accompanied both harley poe's music and um other major artists in the genre like days and days apes of the state or ghost mice of the taxpayers or uh mischief brute which have this kind of like lyric focus very kind of like fun sing songy but sad dark themed music um but where harley and his uh or joe whatever in the early days of the music on his 2012 album is called satan sex and no regrets um and like the top the most popular song off the album is called uh transvestites can be cannibals too um or his other hits i want to die and eat shit and die what there right there uh i believe he uses he him pronouns okay because i saw something where is it like the character of harley is the character of harley isn't a person yeah like it's not a character it's just what the name of the band is and the main the person behind the band is joe whiteheart joe whiteford okay i was confused because i was looking it up and i saw some things that referred to joe as like he and then there were other things that were they them, because because there's a band that plays with Joe, even though it's like functionally a solo black metal project, but he has collaborators that are featured predominantly in his music. Um, Got it. 
Um, and when he play, he plays live with other people. Um, but I believe, and I, I apologize if I'm wrong, Joe goes by he, him pronouns. So when I say him, him I'm referring to um, Joe. Joe. And if, I, if I say they, I'm, I'd be referring to the band as a whole, like when I saw them live. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, so, so yeah, so Joe, clarify that. So Joe's music and this album, I do agree. A lot of some of that pop and circumstance is stripped back. Um, and like with a lot of Black Mundle, I like if, which I think is actually an important thing when we talked about our last, our, when we talked about our last album on this episode, is that with the context of like the rest of the genre and how a lot of it's normally presented, I think it makes the lyrics. And the presentation of the album as a whole much more endearing. Yeah, um, I can see that. I also I like if I if I was going to introduce someone to Harley Poe um, or the genre of folk punk, I probably wouldn't play Horrorful, even though I would probably put this in my top five of his releases. Um, but it's not an album that's going to get going to grab you and take you into the genre fully. Um, if you want that, and you want a Harley Poe album that's dark and about horror um either his album um uh lost and losing it or satan sex and no regrets are two of the best introductions to the genre that i can recommend out there um does has uh has the band ever done an album that's like one unified story because i i feel like listening to the album something i was sort of hoping for that i didn't get was for the album to have like one consistent through line um lost in because because i feel like with the album there was a lot of stuff where i was like like um like i like with welcome to slime city uh, the second song on the album i thought that song was fine i love that but i also wished that like that did some world building for a city that mm. the rest of the album would take place in, you know. So yeah, so that's that's not really that that type of aesthetic creation isn't what you see very heavily in this genre of music. Mm. Um, this this genre and part of what I love about it is the the story and the world building. Ben, yeah, is Joe and his emotional state um, and how was, he's experiencing. Sort of like this is like this and a lot of this music since it is punk um it to me at its core and it's kind of ethos is very is punk and it's so it's rebelling and commenting and creating comparison and antithesis to society um it is directly commenting on what's happening not just in the life of the creator but in the world um Hmm. and so so i guess to to if you wanted to know what so the it's more narrative of a, it's it's more of a response to the outside narrative rather than a narrative within itself yes but if you okay. listen to all of the albums and you're a fan of the music the narrative that you're following and that comes across in these snapshots of is of the snapshots of the life of the creator um got it and i personally feel i i feel a lot of connection or i guess empathy or whatever you want to call it for Joe's music specifically and, and the music that Harley Poke puts out. Um, it's a mentality and mindset uh, thing that when, when I hear him singing his lyrics, it 
you know, it resonates with me very deeply. Um, mm. This is like, this is that type of, if I want someone, if I wanted someone to understand me more, I'd ask them to listen to this band. Yeah. Yeah. In hindsight, that makes a lot. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, like, cause I, I, to this day, um, tell people that if you want to under, if you want to understand Ben and I, especially our, our friendship, in my opinion, you have to go and listen to uh, Harley Post song Gorehound, um, which is from his 2013 album, Pagan Holiday. Um, and I we've listened to it together, but I don't know if you knew who we were listening to when we listened to it. But uh, that that song and then like songs like Eat Shit and Die and I Want to Die, um, which are very morose song titles, I think really kind of speak to what I look for in this kind of music. Um, and I think thematically speaking actually is mirrored, um, despite not musically in a very similar way in our next album. Um, but before we get to the quiet earth, let's continue to, to sit in 2022 in Kokomo, Indiana. And, um, let's keep going through it. So Ben mentioned slime city. Uh, it's a good song. It's just another song on the album. I agree with you there. Um, I think the next, to me, the next song that really pops to me and one I know I'll listen to out, out of just listening to this album in its entirety, like I probably always will, um, is The Pit. Um, I the think pit, The Pit is such the, a the fun pit, song. Yeah, it's a really fun song musically. Yeah. I completely bounced off the lyrics, like 100%. Mm. I just completely bounced off of it i feel like listening it to it again with like more of like how you were explaining it Mm -hmm. i think i would get a lot more out of it like imagine listening to this album with me listening to it with you while drunk yes that makes a lot more that's that's the mindset you need like i listen to harley poe's music alone in bed and think yeah that's or like a much (laughs) that's a much different mindset i think because for me it was i thought the music was great i thought mm-hmm. harley's voice is great i think the he's only thing i bounced singer. off of that i had a hard time with was the was the lyrics yeah and i and that's to me that's that's why i consider this album in the rabbit hole and not and in like an as above so below territory because there is a buy-in you gotta you gotta take a step into the underground and the underground genres of music to feel comfortable listening to songs with this kind of lyrical content that is so focused on like madness and like, so, like very deeply emotional sadness um, and kind of catharsis um, and kind of the emptiness or the fullness of the world around you. Um, speaking of feeling empty. Um, yeah, song the, the four, next two songs, I sort of have similar thoughts on where uh, lots of, lots of, repetition mm-hmm. um which are hollow man and alone in the dark mansion of madness these these songs to me are like the fantastic songs you're gonna be play there play live that are very like choral and communal um like these these are songs that i think are meant to and will be performed live in a very fun very kind of visceral way um, I mean, I, I, I'm not here to, to provide deep lyrical analysis. Um, but I think the 
repetitious nature of these songs i think is kind of intentional especially sure. for alone in the dark mansion of madness yes Ex- especially especially on of... like the fifth or sixth listen yeah i, I can imagine it's kind of like because like both Holloman in the in the dark mansion of madness in a opposing way to uh pense nocturne uh provide kind of this like dizzy like heady kind of mosh pit vibe to me they really I make me like, feel like i'm kind of like spinning in a circle in a room i did like that uh alone in the dark blah 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 was yeah. a much slower pace song because up yeah. till that point most of the album had been pretty fast paced and i yeah. liked that but it was nice having them slow it down for this one just to get you know more variation mm-hmm. Well, um, I, I think ne- and, the next song monsters is also another yeah. great moment of of slowness of which i think this is this tone that you get here which is the more somber slow kind of very acoustic um choral um type of uh, of sensation where there's kind of like a lilting floaty almost churchiness to um yeah. is one of the best places that harley poe one of the best things harley poe does yeah, I um, like the back half of the album a lot more than the front half. I can I agree with you. I think the album picks up steam. Um, outside of Alone in the Dark, Dark Mansion of Madness, which is my favorite song. I mean, I think that that song five kicks the album into the next step. Yeah, uh, I I think the song after Monsters Ticks is also another good one. Yeah, uh, j- just because the I I feel like the way they structure the song. You know, it's it's frame. It feels like it's framed around the word text Where yeah, oh you know, yeah, like the bug, like the having a nervous tick. Yeah, it just it, it just it just is all structured around like the same what's, ideas what's the, and stuff. What's what's that expression for a word that makes the sound of the word like splash or thump, like an onomatopoeia or whatever? Um, uh, cum bucket. No, you know what I'm talking about. I, I do, I do. I don't, I don't know what the word. Okay, is. Okay, I think it's an onomatopoeia, and that this song is an onomatopoeia for the idea of a tick. Um, yeah. like it sounds and feels like what it is. I do want yeah, to take this, it, take over the, to this talk song about monsters. Wasn't like, yeah, this ticks wasn't my favorite song, but like I respected it a lot. If that yeah. makes sense. That's how. I, that's how I feel. I mean, I love both of these songs but i think monsters shows the emotional complex like the i i don't want to sound too pretentious but it shows kind of the complexity that this type of music can provide mm-hmm. just it's like because it's sat to me monster especially compared to the more high intensity fast kind of sing songy songs like ticks and fate to black is just like you get this sense of like sitting alone on like your front porch and just like letting yourself go and just like like letting yourself like express in like this deeply like i i can imagine crying to this song live like if ben cut to a clip right here of the main the main hook of the song Was cold, so I buried him deep. Ah, 
There. Yeah. That, the kind of chanting, like, whoa, paired with the, to me, deeply impactful vocals, um, really just, really just kind of send, send this album into another, like this song specifically into another tier of like deeply moving in a, in a way. Um, especially from such like a raw and to me, very black metal almost presentation insofar as that how raw and visceral the uh, vocal performances. Um, and then contrast it into ticks where you see him just go fucking full, full energy it is a great kind of like wake me up. Yeah. Oh, oh God. Sorry. I just woke up. Ha ha. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm going to throw a tick on your face. Ah. Yeah, so no, takes I liked. Uh, Fade to Black was my highlight of the album. Wow, I'm surprised by that. I really liked it. I thought, I also, I feel like for someone who's listening to Harley Poe for the first time, I feel like these lyrics are the easiest to grasp onto. Because yeah. they're, they're pretty on the nose, <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I, I, I feel like it was just a really fun song, uh, just paced well. Um, it's got a it's got a ton of washboard in it, and washboard's a like, great thing to like, hear. Like, that song is probably the closest thing to like the the radio song, you know, from this album. Yep. Well, and yeah, this is the radio album of this episode too. I agree though. This is this song has a lot of I think would have a lot of uh, potential of getting other people to listen to this kind of music. Yeah, and then there's also a bonus track, uh, "Bad Hell Guys yeah. Christmas." Um, I, I sense some Nightmare Before Christmas potential, uh, like Danny Elfman-esque I think this might be a that I liked. cover of a song from... Probably. Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, not Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare Before Christmas, because, uh, like, Joe Whitehead is, like, an openly, like, a big fan of this, of, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Gotta be careful with those Nightmare Before Christmas fans. Uh, I know. I'm one of them. I'll get you. I'll bite you right in the ankle. But, uh, yeah, overall, I gave this album a three and a half out of five. I liked it. Um, I I feel like it was a good intro to Harley Poe. And yeah. uh, I'm going to have to like to I'd like to see more. I, I highly if you if you dive into this album, and you enjoyed some of the clips. Um, listen to this album. It's a wonderful album. But go back and uh i'll make ben listen to uh satan sex and no regrets and lost and losing it to 2012 and 2017 albums uh by harley poe his 2019 album have a great life was also wonderful but those two i think really kind of encapsulate what you need um to be a huge fan of the his guy's music um and i actually talk about atmospheric black metal that's not what the next genre of the music is, but I'm really happy you called it Atmo. Um, <laughs> I I will actually in my which I think is going to be very funny for you, Ben. I give this album the same rating as you. This is All a right. three and a half out of five for me. I agree. I think it's good. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I don't think it does anything extremely special. Um, but I ho- I hold Harley Poe albums in a upper tier of music. Um, so 3.5 is like a still an amazing review because it's probably a 4.0 compared to anything else. All right. Well, let's move on to Morrow. 
From the pleasant and blood-filled streets of Kokomo in 2022, we jump into a time machine and hurdle forward to the 25th century, where, where we join a Neolithic tribe attempting to survive in a post-apocalyptic Earth destroyed by humanity's obsession with greed and technology. Uh, Morrow is a brand new discovery for me, um, but for fans of the band Svalbard from my list last year, which get my album of the year, um, it is another crusty emo punk album that is very shouty and very intense. Uh, we are jumping in on their third album in a narrative trilogy that directly relates to eight other albums that came before it, starting That's in 2014. Awesome. This is a deep consistent epic fantasy universe that is created across three bands across eight albums um but to give you an idea of the sound this is very shouty intense almost wall of noise-esque crust punk uh, mixed in with with sounds of uh, what would be considered traditional uh british emo um it's a very driven album there's really no holding back at any point um, even in moments where uh, the main driving instrument is beautifully, beautifully performed acoustic guitar um, into moments where you have uh, three to four different vocalists singing together. Um, I think one of the things that really gives this album and this band a very unique sound is the almost choral use of uh, growled and unclean vocals. Yes. Um, Throughout this album, and we'll talk about it when we get to different songs, but you get things from just like standard shouty, angry vocals to black metal shrieks to almost death metal-esque vocalizations to clean, beautiful, like lowful, like wailing singing. And we'll get, we're going to get into the full um, narrative that's on display here that kind of transcends across uh, multiple albums, but... I want to start off with a clip of this band so everyone really knows what we're talking about. And we're going to, uh, the clip is we're going to play from their song. Uh, ben, you're going to have to help me pronounce this one again Totanic? Totemic. Here we go. go totemic is probably my favorite song on the album it is it kind of gives you it, it gives you the full display um lists you in with with slow calm beautiful acoustic guitars that kind of lilt you into the sleepy but dark and very melancholic vibe before assaulting you with pummeling guitars aggressive vocals and just a almost a rage or a disdain for the world that is surrounding these artists. Ben, what did you think of Morrow and their album, The Quiet Earth? Really like this album. Uh, I gave it a four out of five. Oh, wow. Front. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm up there with you. Yeah, I, I thought my, my biggest gripe with the album is, unlike the last one, I feel like it started hot and then... I sort of fell out of it a bit. Yeah. 
as the album went on, I feel like they put their best stuff out first. My two favorite songs were the first song, Rejoice This Quiet Earth, mm-hmm. and Totemic. Yep, I agree. Um, those are, those are I, I, I also think this movie kind of buries the buries the lead right up front. Yeah, I, I feel like the real highlight of the band, well, highlights, there's multiple, uh, the voices, the, the singing, screaming, whatever you want to call it, is awesome. Yeah. I wish there were more bands that did this, this sort of duality of shrieks, especially Whoa. in Rejoice This Quiet Earth, where you wait have until, a... Wait until I tell you about Alex's six other bands. <laughs> okay. But, um... But just sort of this duality of, like, the low gruff... And then the the loud shrieking, which is almost, like, imported from, you know, like, Screamo or, yeah, or something. It is. It is. It's from the emo Screamo scene. That's yeah, where that, and, that styling and, and flavor comes from. But importing that in here is so cool, and it really keeps the music going. I feel like Totemic, like you said, Matt, the second song on the album, mm-hmm. it just has such a full sound. Yeah. Um, such a re- I, it's I, such a realized sound that I think... is. Oh, are, are they destroying their voices with how they sing? I don't know. Not entirely. Some of them are. Like, um, but like, I'm not, especially not in with totality. the higher pitch guys, like... I yeah, worry because um, it's such a cool sound, but like, I think it's on on to the fold. Um, I don't know who the vocalist is because it doesn't say who guess when certain people are singing because it's hard to tell them apart. Um, but there there is someone doing like straight like yeah 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 like black metal vocals that sound fucking painful. Yeah, I I what one of the other things I liked about this album was the pace of it where mm-hmm. I felt like the pace in a lot of sections, especially in something like Totemic where the song's long enough where it has room to breathe and change up, mm-hmm. there's lots of sections where the lead guitar almost feels like it's bridging into like hard rock in a way. Yeah, I agree. And it's sort of lifting itself out of the muck and mire of the album that a lot of albums just sort of stay in. And I really appreciated that uh, since you know, I I like bands like uh, like uh, God, what's um, Blood? No, not Bloodbound. Uh, uh, Blood Incantation, Blood Letter. No, uh, I was thinking of like Butcher, and then like the really fast one, the album oh, from last year that's like Vre- twenty minutes long. Vreedhammer, Viperus. Vreedhammer, yeah, that's yeah, another you, good one. You anyway. liked Vreedhammer. Oh, but, and, but and you, Nakaroth and uh, Gate no, Creeper. No, Gate Creeper. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, the second best album of the year. Yeah, but I they they I sort of felt some of that in Totemic, which I thought yep. was really cool because a, a lot of most albums don't do that. Yep. Um, there was just really great details, like at eight minutes and forty five seconds. There's this little slight, I don't know how you call it musically, but like a slight breakdown where like it's either them like changing like the pace of the song or just like they interrupt themselves. It's just this quick five, ten second musical interlude, but it sounds so good and it keeps you so invested in the song. Like there's so much time and effort and structure placed into Totemic. I really think it's the highlight of the album. Yeah, it, 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 it shows the, like, compositional strength of the uh, 
really the mastermind behind the album, Alex CF, and his musical partner, Gerfried? I don't know how the hell you'd say G-E-R-F-R-I-E-D. Gerfried, I Gerfried. If I'm pronouncing your name wrong, my bad. But uh, listening to that section, I just I just threw this the song on at that moment, Ben. It is like a, it's basically kind of is like a breakdown for lack of a better expression for fans of metal. Um, but it is it's like an emotional release. It's like the it's like yeah. the moment when you like you go from like talking to shouting to straight up screaming, back to talking and then right back to screaming. Like it yeah. is such a it's such an expression of of emotion and i think i think what lends itself well to the overall comp composed nature the the cohesiveness of this band in general is the underlying story being told um which i which i think really kind of guides the the emotion of the album and stops it from getting whiny do do you, do you want me to read I did. I did put it in bold so you would read it. Um, so the uh, Alex CF and Gerfried have uh, been asked in the very few number of interviews I found with them, uh, trying because I really wanted to try to tie together this whole narrative without listening to like I think it's like twelve hours of music. Um, Pussy. But yeah, well I will. We'll get there. Uh, I have to decide if I like all of his other side projects as much as I like um, this album. But Ben, if you want to give people from, from the mouth of the gods themselves, there's two quotes here about uh, both the overall story and the story being told here in this album. Quote, The basic premise is one of human hubris trying to control our technology, which backfires when it claims personhood. This ends in mutual annihilation, except for a stowaway on a ship the archivist, and an AI built into the ship, Construct. Both are the lone survivors of their respective species, and in the wake of their people's destruction they must find some kind of purpose, and yet they are unable to set adrift in the endless expanse of space. The AI wishes to find the source of its creator, and delves into some theological and philosophical digressions whilst the archivist is put in stasis for 2,000 years. It is both a story of duality, how they both find purpose in one another, but also one of machine gods, existential crisis, religion, and belief." End quote. Now this particular album continues this narrative, and let's see where it picks up. Quote, Playing out from different millennia. They are entirely separate bands, but they are linked by ancestors and descendants of the archivist. I don't know what the fuck that means, Matt. So the archivist, um, and in this in this world, uh, man went on and made an effort to repopulate and rebuild society on the earth, and oh, okay. the people we are following are direct descendants of the character that was created in the original musical trilogy by the band Archivist. But if there's only one, like, whose kids are they? It's the future, Ben. Okay, okay, we're just magicking that. All right, I'm sure it's in one of the other eleven and a half hours. There's some somewhere within this narrative. There's probably like there was like some yeah. people left hidden on Earth. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to know what it is. I just need to know it's there. It's there. It's a hundred percent there. There's a there's a middle band that is actually it's this. I I'm I 
Didi, I don't, I'm trying to find it. Um, but there's another uh, band of Alex's that is considered uh, part of this story um, where it is actually a cello based uh, band. It's a, ce- it's a cello, it's a cello, it's a cello leaded um, band just like Morrow, which is like the crust punk kind of epic post metal sound. Um, but with a cello in the lead role, which I think kind of ties together part of the narrative between these six albums that we have, three from The Archivist and uh, three now from Morrow. Um, and, so, uh, and this, so- this, sorry, just, just real quick, Ben, is that this, one, one thing I think you can kind of hear um, throughout this album, and I think you hear it more in the latter half, um, and I especially think you hear it in uh, songs like Our Right to Rest and To the Fold, there's a certain hopefulness um, to the melancholy that is presented on this album. Um, the like rage and defiance to rebuild and become a society again. Um, this album, I think, unlike many of the others, there's an actual chance being yeah, presented to, to the people that are experiencing the story. Because the there's, album, there's the album depth. artwork captures this so fucking well. Like, yeah, where... there's depth to the emotional plight. Um, yes. Yeah, between them, uh, the next two songs in the album are To the Fold and Fugue Plague. I sort of felt like this was a bit of the lull in the album. I liked them both, but after the Tour de Force that Totemic was, it sort yeah, of fell off for Totem- me. Totemic gives you what the apex of the album is, and then you just kind of have to list through the yeah. wasteland of Earth. I would have switched Totemic to After Fugue Plague. Because our right to rest is a really good beautiful. Interlude. Like I like you know how I'm picky with my interludes, man. Yeah. I really liked it, and I thought look to Ungfell. I I thought it was really good, and I thought it really brought me back up for the last song, which is of sermons and omens to mend. Yeah. I wish it went a bit harder than it did, but I still really liked it. Yeah, I think I just wanna I wanna highlight the writing on this album, lyrically speaking. Um, I know most most of the lyrics were handled by, handled by Alex, um, and I think uh, Gerfried as well. Uh, the lyrics on uh, "Our Right to Rest" I think are just beautiful. It's, we claim this ice as shelter, uh, matrimony with water and earth, the branch bent for our for our boughs, the nourishing wealth clothe and twine. What malice of mouth and teeth that seek nothing but to harm. We are nothing but ice made flesh. We seek nothing but our right and rest. Now that's and, some positivity. Yeah, that is just I don't know. To me that 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 reads very hopeful. Like there's a certain belief that there's a chance, I think, in a world and from where I'm getting in this world is it's it's post apocalyptic and it's these tribes who are living this Neolithic existence that our ancestors did, but in the remnants of our world, of our destroyed, decayed, and utterly captivated world. And this this song makes me think that maybe these people were cryogenically frozen narratively, um, and then were reintroduced to the Earth by the archivist um, at some point. But that is conjecture based on the fact that every of the... Uh, mentioning that the ice is nourishing um yeah i I just really wanted to share that because i think it's a great it it serves as a a fantastic example of what um what this band offers 
Um, I do agree with Ben, though, saying is that I think the album could have had a bit more of a swell to it leading into the end. But I think because this album is the third part of a trilogy, it does kind of end in a way where I would expect like a big trilogy movie to end, where it kind of shows you little inklings of different narrative conclusions. And then when it fades out on of sermons and omens to mend, it kind of is just like everything wrapping up, which I don't think needs to be such a big rambunctious and grandiose moment because the story's over. The grandeur already happened. Right. Like the, the battle between Luke and Vader was happened on Totemic. It's the climax of a movie versus the end of a movie. Yeah, this the climax has already happened and now we're just we're in the resolution. We're in the resolve. Um, and I think that's kind of leaves the album with this very beautiful point, but it does, it does leave you with an experience that feels like you need to see the rest. Um, there's more, there's more to behold than just what this album has to offer you. Um, and many consider fallow their album from, I believe 2018 to be a front to back masterpiece. Um, it's this it's this album without any of the um fumbles that you identified according to other people I've listened to a little bit of it and it was fantastic but I need to give it uh, a full listen at a later date when we'll come back to that then um, so Ben any final thoughts on morrow no once again four out of five album I yeah. liked it I, I feel like if if they maybe change the order of some of the songs, I might have liked it a bit more. But mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of hard to hear the lyrics, so I don't know narratively. Yeah, as I, well. I had to, I had to know, read I'm along. Sure, I'm sure on, there's on a Bandcamp. reason why it was the way it was. Yeah, I think this this is one where if you watch it with the lyrics in front of you on Bandcamp, it helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I was on a plane. I was doing what I could. Yeah, but now, now it's time, Ben. It is now the the white rabbit has led us on this journey and it's time to enter Neverland to the sound of a chicken calling, cuckooing, clucking, squawking, squawking with the sound of a, of a chicken squawking. We have entered the obscene, the decadent, the beautiful world of say their name, Ben. Oh, oh. <laughs> come on! Jose it... Nocturne.
just heard might have confused you, uh, might have concerned you, might have turned you off or turned you on. But what you just heard is something that I find extremely fascinating and extremely interesting to dive into. A a band that self-describes as neoclassical avant-garde black metal. A pensi, mm. pensi nocturne uh, is how I'm saying it. Uh, which, sta- which which translates to dark thoughts, bring forth a sound like no other in black metal. Incorporating traditional jazz, circus, calliope, and cabaret instruments, uh, and, and lacing them in with black metal like the like the folds of a psychopath's mind. Um, you go on this, what to me is a very fun and rambunctious journey um, into a world of melancholic France. Uh, it feels like you're traipsing drunk through the uh, the countryside of France with a random man who doesn't speak English, but keeps taking you places and you really can't get off Mr. Bone's wild ride. Um, Leon Harcourt is a solo as a solo artist who performs as Penny Snecturn and has been making albums with this man since 2008. And with each album, his willfulness and his desire to push the boundaries of avant-garde music and of and of the use of his influential jazz, circus and ca- uh, cabaret music has only increased. And on the on his 7th album, which is called I'm going to refer to everything that needs to be said to Ben because I don't speak French. Douce Fong, which translates to Sweet Mire. Oh, I never knew that. Um, that 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 song title really does kind of fit the the feeling of this album. This, this album, as you might have heard, is a deeply chaotic and psychotic um, example of music and Ben for our listeners out there who don't have the same levels buy-in as I do tell everyone a bit about Penisnectirna so if, if, if I could describe this album and band it's sort of like if a Lemony Snicket novel grew up and became <laughs> <Yes>. a band <laughs> yeah um I, I, I guess I can take the lead on these songs since I went ahead and translated them. Yeah, you, you can um, at least say the names of all of them and we can kind of talk about what's going on here with this album. I don't know the story. Um, I just, this is one of those bands where like Harley Poe, uh, to, where in Harley Poe, the lyrics and the vocal performance are the most important narrative thing to me. For me, the vocals on this album are an instrument because I don't know what's going on. He does not post the vocals, the lyrics anywhere. Uh, it is just a captivating wild ride of insanity. Yeah, I, I really wish I had the lyrics for this. Same. Uh, even if they were in French so I could translate them because I feel like they add a lot. Because even the names of the songs when translated add a lot to this. I really like this album. I thought it was similar to the last album in that I feel like a lot of their best stuff was front-loaded. Or mm. at least the stuff I liked the most was front-loaded. Sure. Um, But it's still pretty consistently good throughout um i because this music is inherently iterative and sort of flips on the head conventions that are commonly used in uh other music genres that it's then bastardizing and turning into black metal i i do want us to consider as we're going through this album 
what the merits of an album are if it's still considered as artistic if it requires prior knowledge of other genres of music to be enjoyed fully and i think the answer is yes it is oh i was get i was woo i was like sitting i might i literally felt my knuckles were turning white when i expect you to try to try to argue that you don't there should buy in detracts from the artistic presentation which i don't think it does at all um no no no, no absolutely I, I, I not i agree with you on that one yeah so let, let's start with uh vion tate de mon carousel which well, carousel. is come try my carousel oh and, man <laughs> that is the, such a good long title the the how i interpreted the album is that it's pretty much welcome to this really fucked up town we are going to show you some of the things it's like this album is the nightmare before christmas this is halloween yes it is in a way it's of it's it's a depraved one of the best uh descriptions i've heard of this band and, and this album was this is the drunken clown you meet that is actually like a 20 minute walk away from the circus but keeps telling you it's just around the corner and as you get Ooh, closer and it. as you get led into it, you realize that this might not be the best place. And Mr. Clown over here is really fucked up. Um, so, Viens Tote de Mon Carousel, just a really strong song. Uh, this band in particular uses a lot of those like mid-song breakdowns like I was describing it, in the last album. And I really like it. Just lots of uh, sort of stutter stepping. This of, this of this. the music and and it's really good because it it keeps you off base while you're listening to all the screaming screeching lyrics from this guy who's trying to get you to ride this carousel. Yeah, it it, it feels like and if if you've ever been to a carnival or a circus, especially a traditional one, the music and the the styling, especially when you watch like clowns perform. Is this like imagine like someone like bouncing back and forth from foot to foot, side to side? There's this swaying, kind of lilting harmony that ebbs and flows and ebbs and flows and builds and rises. That to me is really like you said, Ben keeps you going because there's yeah. it, it slows, but then it picks back up and then it drops back down. It's like cinematic, yeah. He he, or cinematic yeah. a, a, a quote from leon um that i read that i thought found was incredible he says uh you you do not listen to my album my album happens to you um, yeah it's you, a great you, way of describing it you kind of have to go into it like a movie uh like like a titane like a raw like a climax and just kind of let it wash over you because if you i feel like if you try to buy into this not enough or too much you lose some of the mental calamity that can i think this is a perfect album to have listened to in a five-hour flight so i agree i i think that the next song actually quel salboro i feel like this is the one song where understanding the title dramatically affects how much you enjoy the song i'm ready for this to change my mind the name of this song is What a Dirty Executioner. Holy shit, yes! So oh, the whole man. point... So at least how I interpreted the song, because this song is different in that it opens up and there's a lot of pure singing. 
mixed with this aggressive screaming. All done um, by the same vocalist, by the way. Really? That's All, awesome. Every vocal and instrument is by one man. His vocal range is unnervingly de- deep. So, um, but but this song, there's this duality of like pure, beautiful singing mm-hmm. and then this aggressive, horrified screaming. Uh, it's a real full sound once again, yep. not unlike Totemic in that respect. There's no but wasted space. You can space. really feel with the cacophony of different instruments that fill the soundscape in this song. It it feels like there's a ton of people there, which mm-hmm. once again, for a song about an executioner, that's perfect. <laughs> At a circus. There's, like before I went ahead and translated the song, I was sort of down on the musical interlude in this song where it mm. sort of quiets down. But, you know, without understanding the lyrics, because you're not posted anywhere, I sort of interpret it as, oh, someone's dead. They're going away. Yeah, they're being they're you being know. carted out. Like, bring out your dead. Were you able to pick up on any of the lyrics? Like, what he's actually saying during the songs? Or I can kinda... pick out, like, individual words, but it's, you know, it, it's still as muffled as American singing is. Yeah. Unfortunately, well, not my strong suit, but I interpreted the song as the beautiful uh, operatic singing is coming from the execution. Yes, I agree. He loves killing people so yeah, much. Yeah. I, and then the screams, of course, coming from the people who are being killed. And I just that's such a fun song. And it because is fun. It's fun. That's the key. <laughs> but like because it's fun. You have the same feeling as the people in the crowd. So it's it's your part of it. And I feel like that's the sign of great music is when not only does it make you feel what they want you to feel, but what they want you to feel is something that is so antithetical to how you would normally feel. But you're along for the ride and it transcends language even. Yes. You know, so well, I and- feel like like listening to this the first time around it probably wasn't my favorite, but I feel like in terms of structure and storytelling, I feel like this might be the best song of the album. It's it's probably it's my it's the song that to me has the most going on. narratively feels like it's going on where the where the yeah. this feels like the exposition song and the this rest the like rest the of the most, song is just pummeling you to death with this feels the like the, the most um this feels like the most full song. Like there's the most mm. people there. Like there's a crowd of sure. people. It's the most popular. You. It's the most popular part of the of the carnival, and yeah. it, it's like I mean the album cover. You see a uh, a butcher, uh, hanging handing out food and drinking wine with a rooster. But if you look, you can see like a de- de- hand and pieces of humans laid throughout his food and meal offerings with that kind of listful, wacky smile. And I think at this point you've eaten the meat. Um, and now you slowly lose people as you dive into uh, the real carnival. And I think the next song, I think, kind of like sets you up to to know that you're going into a deeper part with its very so, traditional, that very aggressive. Like the the horns are way in the back and are complement this time to the forward metal part of the album until so see, about a minute in. This song actually lost me a bit after, Ooh. like, the depth and complexity of the previous song. I feel, and the name of this song is P.N. Me Custom. P.N. Me Custo, which is, uh, my French is rusty, bear with me, but that translates to P.N. but strong, so P.N. Pensee Nocturne. 
So it's Ponce Nocturne, but strong, which to me, I interpreted this as like you're listening to a song by the band while they are inside this world. Like this is what they would be playing while all this shit's happening. And from that respect, I feel like this song would have worked much better if it was the first song of the album. I would I would have I would have put the second. But I agree I see what you mean. I think Welcome to but the like, Carousel is the perfect Just intro because song. I feel like the complexity and depth of the two previous songs mm-hmm. doesn't outclass this one, but I feel like this is the first song where I'm not getting anything new out of it. Yeah, okay, so yeah. I feel like this would have been a great intro to the album. It really sets a baseline because I think it yeah, ranked towards the bottom of my mm-hmm. songs in this album. And it's not because it's bad, but it's because it's sandwiched between so much other good stuff. Well, and, and speaking of being sandwiched between so much good stuff, I think the next song is my favorite song on the album, Sonically. And I'm very, very curious to hear what the name of it means. Uh, Sainon et à point, which is uh, Blood and Fists, it yes. translates to. Yeah, I fucking agree, because this song is just happy punchy time like the gooey gooey gothic kind of like almost i think it's a theremin i don't know what that instrument is about about 40 seconds in just kind of makes you feel groovy it makes you want to dance like i i this, i literally felt... was like conducting in my car as i drove listening to this i was just like this ah. song i sort of felt like when i was listening to it it felt like a date night in venice gone wrong Oh, this this we're, song feels like, like my internal narrative personified in music. Like this to me was like you're on a boat and someone's playing a song for you and then you see in a distance like a 20 person brawl bl- breaks out and everyone's killing each other. And everyone's chant it's like the end of it's like the end of of um Oh, what well, it's like the dance scene in Tatane. Uh when she start when when she starts dancing on top of the truck. Yeah, yeah, and it, it just continues to break down as the song goes on. It just gets more and more and more fucked up and violent and, the, and terrible and, it, and brutal. And the vocals convey that so well as they get more and more intense and gruff. Because, like, a- after, like, over two minutes in, it's all beautiful, clean vocals. Uh, there's just, like, this baritonic opera vocals that Leon does before it just devolves. And I think this kind of calliope circus music serves itself so well with black metal because it has such kind of a lilting, almost creepy cadence to it that lends itself so well to the rapid drumming, the guitar work, and the shouted, shrieked vocals. They almost like pained, like the pain black metal, like, like that wail followed by nothing but accordion or like nothing but calliope is i don't know i don't know how to describe it it is enveloping um some people might have heard i one of my favorite films of all time is a movie called mirror mask um and it's all based around a neil gaiman novel about a circus world that exists within the mind of the character and that movie doesn't and neither does the book lend into how creepy and dark that world could be um, despite doing it visually, this song does that so beautifully for me. Um, in its lilting kind of chaotic sadness. 
You've said lilting four times. This I that's all but that's what I hear when I listen. It's like this tilting, wilting, filting, flinting, building movie. It's like it's this album's like being on a boat that's rocking just back and forth the whole time. Like when someone plays the accordion. Like it feel this music feels like the rhythm of an accordion being played. The in and out, the inhale, exhale of it all. <sighs> <sighs> I love this album. Yeah, so this uh, leads into Chaumont Charnier, which roughly translates to Charming Mass Grave. Um, <laughs> Holy shit. I, I, it, it sort of starts at Discord and kind of stays there. I, I feel like musically it's sort of the low point of the album, but I also feel like it's more of a response to the previous song. Yeah. It's like a transition and to the next part of the circus. Yeah. I, it's, it's not, I don't feel like it's really something designed to stand out on its own. No, the I, following song though, might be my favorite of the album. I really liked it. Uh, Le Tango du Villoniste. Um, and the tango, I, I, I couldn't get a direct translation on this, so this is purely guesswork. What I'm interpreting it as is tango of the violence-ist. So it's like combining violence and violinist. Oh, okay. I could like be the wrong musician on that. of violence. I could be wrong on that, but it's like the tango like tango of the violence. Well, and this and this does have bringer. the tango stomp to it, the beat. Yeah. At least at the I, beginning. Such a fun song. It's black metal tango. And, and it's, it's the most it, black metal of the songs, like, at least in the beginning. The purity of the black metal on presentation here is pretty cut and dry. The, the just like the order and the rhythmicness of the tango mixed in with the complete insanity and cacophony of the black metal is just so much fun to listen to. I really like this one. I think we should cut to a clip. making me do that matt it's a great use of the song we're going to the last three songs of the album uh the next one i liked but from here it was kind of a bit of a down swing i sort of felt like i'd seen everything they were really uh showing off I, I, I I this one this one opening with the police sirens is i i like this one this one was the last one that i like really liked the last two it was kind of yeah they're fine but this one is uh, Fun des Fonds, which is, oh, I'm sorry, Fin des Fonds, which is uh, roughly translates to end deceased or end dead or, or something along those lines. Uh, the cops there's showed no, up to the circus and started arresting people. There, there's like no tense there, uh, so it's harder to translate. Uh, but yeah, definitely a, it, it felt a lot harder to me. Uh, pretty, pretty you know, with like that weird like thing, it it felt a little alieny. Yeah, it, well, it feels really alien. Like when this, when I was listening to this album for the first time, 
I, I listened to their previous album a bunch, and I love it. And we'll talk about that a little bit at the end. But when I was listening, I had my headphones on. I was laying in bed, like, playing a game on my phone while I listened to it. And when this song came on, I thought it had auto-played another band at first. Mm. Especially, like, and I was like, wait, no, this is, this is still the same band. And then, like, the thing, I was like, what? Is this a different album? Yeah. It, like, it, it feels like, like a, a change of pace has happened. It felt like there's all of a sudden, like, less of a sense of direction. And it, Well, I feel like the circus is, like, to me, like, the way I took this was that the, the whatever was going on that what you were taken on the journey of in the beginning of the album has now been broken up by an external source. Like, like the purity of, like, the French country the, or the French kind of circus has been disrupted by the modern world at this point in the album. Which is I, I, why you get such clean tremolo picking that's so well produced on like anything else. The calliope and the deeper kind of like wackierness of it is stripped away from more yeah. of like a more visceral, straightforward anger. Like this, that's uh, this, true. this song yeah. specifically sounds pissed off. Where the rest yeah, of the album was giggling at you. It was like, <laughs> this is. I, like, I thought the last minute of this song was really good too. I feel like yeah. it really picked up like as it went on. Yeah, um, and the, and the, this, this was also the song where I was wondering. I know this know, was that, the end of the album, by the way. That like for me, who's less trained with music, like I I listen to a band like this, and what captures me is how it flips music from other genres on its head mm-hmm. and sort of assimilates it into its own sound. Yeah, in considering this song does that less. And I felt myself being less engaged by it. That's when I asked myself, I was like, is the fact that I get more enjoyment from it being referential, should that impact how I view the quality of the band if it has to be predicated off of something else for it to reach its full potential? And I think the answer to that is no, because it takes a lot of effort to twist entire genres on its head. Yeah, and, and, like, and it, it presents and, and no one else is thing. doing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it, the only other it, band if, that does something like this is like Igor, and they're like an electronic metal avant-garde band. If anything, it requires more effort because it shows yeah. that you have to have an understanding of so many other genres of music. Well, and, and to this like guy alone even this get to that point. And you this know? guy's and, playing and songs all these like this. Too. And songs like this are just validation that they can branch out into more traditional of their own stuff, too. And it is sort of a fresh break in the album yeah. from the more gimmicky stuff. Yeah, well, I think la, the third song, La Semaine Sanglante. La Semaine Sanglante, which is The Bloody Week. Yeah, this, this, this song to me is, like, to your point, Ben, it, it takes a step back and, it, like, it puts his black metal chops on display it's like it's like okay you've got through all the wacky crazy shit here's me just like playing my version of like more traditional more stripped back um like french black metal or this kind of neoclassical black metal where the neoclassical elements still are from the kind of you know other genres of music but they're less present there's less buy-in which i think is What's more I, I engaging about like, the front half? Because you have to really buy into the art in the first half of I, the mo- album. I feel like 
the last few songs, whereas the first ones are diegetic, meaning that they feel like they're a part of the world mm-hmm. all the way through Fan de Fond. I yeah. feel like these are more like narrative songs, yeah. more out of the world and more just trying to convey the feeling well, I, of the world overall. I think I think you made a point earlier, Ben, where you said that this album makes you feel like you're part of what's happening. Um, and this this very similar to a movie that we both love takes you out of that at the end and kind of makes you have to admit that by putting just something else there. It's kind of like funny games where the album, as it goes on, slowly pulls back the curtain and it's like, you were here, but this was all fucked up. And to me, the, the fun is gone here by the end, especially in this song. The fun, the joy of that music, of that sound, of that kind of like diegetic world, as you put it, has been like taken from you. And now you're forced to just kind of like sit here being like, what the fuck did I just go through? What was I a part of? That's actually a really good point. You know, I I didn't consider it that way, but that's actually a really good point. More of a reflective song of like, this is what you asked for, isn't it? Yeah, like, like, like at the end of Funny Games where it's like, yeah, well, you're part of this too. You just watch this happen to these people. You God, laugh, funny you games cheer. Was so good. Yeah, fu- funny games permeates our life after that. That that <laughs> was we watched it at the perfect point in our our horror um, pretension. And then it we go from La Semaine Sanglante to our final song, which requires no translation because their names uh, Nol Torniol et Rubignon. Um. And, and this song I thought was fine. I, I couldn't quite get as good of a feel on this song as I did with the other ones. Uh, but I thought it was good. This this song to me, especially in the beginning, um, it evokes this kind of like f- historical French. Like, like, so in the beginning, how you were walked up to the executioner stand and it was a celebration. This is like the court case where it's very like the astute talking, the like consistent, like stomping walk. It's like it's like the final display. You know, Mm. it's like it's like the melancholic end of the journey, because now like now, like these players lay before you. Here we are with this like the to me, the operatic vocals on this. I knew it felt like a name and I felt like whoever is singing here, like you said, it's more narrative. This is like the court case. This is the reality talking now to us. It's finally addressing us. It's finally talking to our main character who met the, the butcher of this album and saying like, well, we went to your carnival. We saw what you wanted to do. And this is what we think about it. And it kind of delivers this kind of big kind of like Chantelysee goodbye. Yeah, potentially. I I thought the song was good. I I didn't get, you know, like, like when a lighter doesn't quite light. I was like, I didn't quite get it mm-hmm. like I felt like I did with the other songs. Sure, yeah. Uh, but I thought it was good and it was a fine end to the album. Uh, overall, I also gave this one a four out of five. Uh, so the same ranking as um, as Moro. I feel yeah. like part of that is because 
with a band like Pensee Nocturne, it's I feel like when it's done, like you don't feel the need to go back to it. No, it's it's pretty full and it's pretty complete. And like it's like a great movie. You only need to watch it once. But it just because it's great doesn't mean you can watch it 30 times. Right. Like the movies so, I've seen the most are not movies I consider to be the best, unless it's The Wicker Man. Yeah, I definitely think that Ponce Nocturne was more clever. Yeah. Um, more, probably put more effort into. I I I'm pretty sure I like it more. Yeah. I yeah. I I like it more, but I don't necessarily enjoy it more. I like it more. I don't know if it would be if it's technically better. Yeah. Than Moro. I because I, I, like I was individually uh, ranking the songs and yeah. I was sort of averaging them out. And so Pulse Nocturne for me averaged out to like a three point nine out of four uh, out of sure. five, and uh, Moro averaged out to like a four point. Oh, I, one there's or a something. lot there's a um morrow's style and and type of music is a lot safer um yes yeah. this, this this is truly where Mar- morrow and harley poe are playing playing with known quantities from beginning to end even though they do them in very beautiful and outstanding ways pessinic are is doing his own goddamn thing there is there's nothing else that sounds like this that I've heard. Um, Talk about another guy I'd like Gone Mage to work with. Yeah, right? Could you imagine a chip I can translate tune. between them. I'll, you know, Gary, if you're listening to this, is a shout-out. Um, Stop calling him Gary. That's his call name. Him, call him, like, I Mr. feel like Gone he Mage? a character name. He doesn't have one. I feel like he, he should go- have one. He though. has Let's- he has an Instagram where he posts about his magic decks and his vegan food. Look, all I'm saying here, Matt. Right I now, call- let's think of a name for Gary. No, Ga- his name's Gary, Mister Brents, Gone Mage Gary, the double G. Fine, we'll go with Gone Mage Gary. But all I'm saying, Gary, <laughs> is that like Ga- Gary Bear? Listen like up. A- yeah, you know, some like cool name like uh. Yeah, I think who is that? The, that the ghost char- guy calls himself char- like like ghosty priest or whatever. The, the character know? on his album has a name, and like, well, I don't need the character to have a name. I want Gary to have like a cool like, like, a, like a, you want him to have like a stage name like Euronymous or like. It's just that Gary sounds like such a nice guy. He is you know? a nice. Have you? I've we've spoken to Gary. So overall, three really strong albums. I really liked. All three of them. I agree. Uh, if I had to give my feather to anyone, it would be Ponce Nocturne. I agree. But the uh, album that but surprised I mean, but that's me. That's like that's like very narrow margin yeah. there because okay. Morrow I also really liked. Morrow surprised me more because um, to me Pesnia Nocturne was a known quantity from their album from 2019, the Grand Guignols Orchestra. Which mm. I will say, if if you liked what you heard from Pessia Nocturne on this album, go listen to that album because it the instead of being at like the bomb a bombed out city that once had a circus that's now downtrodden, um, Grand Gonilio, I don't know how the fuck you say it, Guignol, 
yeah, Grand Guignol Orchestra is firmly, you're at the circus from the beginning of the album to the end. It is an album that's made to make you feel afraid of clowns. Yeah, um, I think I like that album a bit more. I think I, it's the only reason I I would give this like a 3.9 versus like a 4.2, where like Grand Guignol's Orchestra to me is like a 4.8. Um, right. It, yeah. cause, and I, 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 gotta, and I also have a deep passion for calliope circus and cabaret music and constantly look for it um and never find it in a way i really love so this was like a big like ooh, like tingles my spine and you know what else tingles your spine matt oh what's that ben doing things four times because then they're fourth times the charm everybody i hope you enjoyed your dive down the rabbit hole good morning